This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before you mash that fast forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works. So if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts, you can check out chasethomaspodcast.com. That is all my previous episode, a link to my newsletter, and all my articles that I've written. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer, or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too. Thank you for listening. You're all the best. And I think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle Darren can play me in. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, on the line right now, Kenny Herzog, writer at the Ringer, writes great WWE pieces there, which is where I first read him, and he's here on the podcast right now. Kenny, good morning. How are you? Oh, I am fine, Chase. How are you? I am good. I, that was a that was a good uh, that was a good response. You, I, I can't <laughs> can't get a read on you yet. This is our first podcast together, so I'm not sure where this is going to go. Especially because we're going to be talking about a lot of things that are um, listeners of the show are not going to believe this, but I'm kind of frustrated with professional wrestling right now. Wow, that is not anything that wrestling fans can relate to. <laughs> no, not at all. But um, after this week's Monday Night Raw, I feel like it's okay to be really upset. Or I shouldn't say upset. Like, it doesn't ruin my day. Professional wrestling does not really affect my mood all that much. But I will say, just knowing that I spent close to three hours watching Raw this week is going to take a few weeks to just get over. <laughs> because that that's a tough sell. This was a week in wrestling where, like, if you were in a room with someone who was not familiar with the current product... And they just happen to sit down and I'm like, oh, what are you watching? And you're like, oh, I'm watching Monday Night Raw. And they're like, oh, that's still going on. And you're like, yeah, actually over 25 years now. And they sit there and it's any moment within the first hour, you are humiliated. You are just like, I am so sorry. I, this is not who I really am. I, there was just nothing else on this. It's usually better than this. I promise. Like, it, you, I don't know what happened here. And that's how I felt the entire first hour. I don't think this is a hyperbole to say that was the worst first hour of Monday Night Raw in my lifetime. <laughs> well, your uh, your illustration brings to mind, you know, the possible analogy of finally uh, hooking up with someone that you've been wanting to hook up with for a long time, and you know, you can't really rise to the occasion. And you start saying, "I swear, <laughs> this isn't what it's normally like." Um, so, I, yeah, I, look, if uh, I certainly understand people not having gotten a, a raw hard on um, this past week, and <laughs> it's you know it's been a very it's been a fairly flaccid post WrestleMania period, which is not unusual. Uh, I have friends who just flat out blackout of WWE, um, you know, kind of in that period right after WrestleMania, leading up until the build up to SummerSlam. So. If you go back in years past, at this time, it's probably it's probably um, a remarkably similar you know, downturn. Yeah, I mean, did, did you watch Raw this week? I did, and I, yeah, I, I did find myself at one point saying, "Holy shit, we're almost an hour in, and we're still kind of in this 
quicksand, <laughs> like of the op- essentially of the opening segment, you know. Someone booked in back-to-back segments Roman Reigns and Stephanie and Kurt Angle in one of the weirdest, just hollow, scripted, just awful. Like Roman Reigns, this is Roman Reigns on the mic at his worst. You could tell it would take him like a minute, uh, like a second or two to like register what he was supposed to say. Um, Kurt Angle does that all the time, so I'm used to it, but it was not great. Stephanie's return, really weird. Her character, like just, we can get to Rousey in a little bit, but like she was weird and she was flubbing some lines and she was uncomfortable and you could tell she wanted to play off Roman Reigns a lot more than he was able to give her so i felt bad for her in that context because she was clearly the best talker of the three but it still was not good and i don't understand where they're going with this stephanie character right now and um she dropped the best for business line twice just to try and get the crowd behind um roman reigns and kurt angle and all this stuff and the emasculating kurt angle stuff i thought was over but apparently they're gonna keep doing that even though he he and ronda rousey won the match at WrestleMania, so I guess that didn't actually matter at all. Um, but then they went into this issue. I mean, we can, uh, if you want to talk about the singles match that turned into a tag team match because Jinder Mahal got involved later and Kevin Owens is also involved. And Kevin Owens is great, and I love Kevin Owens. But mm-hmm. um, it was it was weird. The decision to pair Rollins and Reigns is an interesting one because I have some questions about that. But then they went in to just the most Vince McMahon 1999 through 2004 segment possible with Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley. I, I could not believe, cause I don't watch raw live and I, I don't know how people do that. I don't know how people sit there for three hours. I, I just don't get it. But, um, that segment with just the sisters and everything else was mind blowing that that got put on TV now. And I think I saw someone make the joke of just like um, about whether or not SmackDown Live already got their offer pulled from Fox just from that uh, segment alone. But I, I couldn't I honestly could not believe that actually happened. Well, au contraire, as far as this, I think it worked in SmackDown's favor, where it maybe made people take more seriously the notion that maybe SmackDown is the more kind of um, compact and, and coherent show of the two but um that's oh, a, let's not go that far let's not go that far this is the michael hayes and road dog show that is not uh if anyone's watched smackdown the last year it smackdown's theme is is this guy going to be here this week no okay well he might be back in three weeks i mean you're, look i'm not going to necessarily argue um you know the valid the valid criticisms but i think right now all things being equal there is more reason for me personally to watch SmackDown and more, more, more at stake. And and there's more um, that, that, that I find entertaining than necessarily is happening sort of spread out over the miasma of the three plus hours of role. But that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, The Bobby Lashley, Sami Zayn thing. I did text a colleague of mine during that saying, wow, we really have a front runner for, you know, worst feud of the year. And, And it was shaping up that way. And it was, Unfortunately, you know, I don't think people have a very long memory about Bobby Lashley, you know, in general, you know, broadly speaking. And it was obvious that they were trying to kind of re-familiarize people with them with those weird interviews about his family. And then they kind of leveraged that into this, um, you know, this is your life kind of satire thing that we've seen them um, live and die on. Which has never gone well. (laughs) <laughs> which is which is only only went well once, as we know, which was you know with the Rock and Mankind, and uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and there was a tipping point where it didn't go as well with Alexa Bliss and um, and okay. Bailey, and you and we I figured after that, even if they were being self-referential about it, they would they would maybe just sort of put that one on ice, that kind of shtick on ice, and I was shocked, honestly, to see it. I was I was shocked to see it done, um, played straight more or less, and not not there was no other extra layer to it, and it was. It was pretty tough. I mean, I, I give I give a lot of leeway because every episode of the show is like a live improv slash acting class slash um, you know wrestling exhibitions, whatever. You know, it's, it's there's so many moving parts, but that was tough. I just I cannot. It it lasted a long time. It kind of reminded me of the big cast segment from a couple weeks ago, 
where he beat up a little person and it kept going and going, but he had all this time to talk about it. And it was like a 17 minute segment <laughs> that just never seemed to end. And you were just like, whenever WWE takes like two steps forward, they'll do these little things that bring it all the way back. And you're just, you feel bad again about watching this product because the one thing though, that I don't think this will ever happen on is NXT, which is why I'm glad we'll always have that because I don't think we'll ever see this kind of stuff um, pop up there because I think that's more Triple H. This just, you can just tell in certain moments that Vince McMahon still is the end-all be-all guy in this company and he can do whatever he wants and sometimes he just goes very old Vince McMahon. It's like, oh, this 72-year-old guy just decided to um, have his big guy beat up a little person and he probably thought it was hilarious or this guy um sent out Sami Zayn to mock um bobby lashley's fake sisters who were just men wearing like it was just uncomfortable and like i don't even like want to dive in that much into what it was and just kind of how tone deaf and just backwards this segment was but it, it was just something that if you had told me happened outside of the Sami Zayn thing because Bobby Lashley was around at that time that this was like a 2005 segment I would believe you but the fact that it's 2018 and that happened and that got cleared and everything else was just um I was stunned I really was but maybe that's like I was giving WWE too much credit for how far they've come well it's you know they obviously are trying to now sort of siphon Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn back off from each other and there's um I guess no easy way like that yeah, I mean, I think I I think it had to happen over time. I, I'm surprised that it was kind of so abrupt. You know, they could have even had them have a run as a real tag team, or they could have continued, or they could have just kind of come full circle and eventually kind of uh, you know had them rehash their animosity. I don't know. Maybe that'll still happen, but they decided to kind of really uh, split the atom here, and and I, I don't really know that there was anything that felt particularly organic about the way that Sammy has kind of focused his attention on, on Bobby Lashley. And I think, I think also we got to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt that they know there's value to creating infamous moments, you know, as much as there's value to creating moments that um, become classic because they are, um, because they resonate the right way with the audiences. I mean, even in their own retrospectives on the WWE network, there's always kind of self, you know, facing candor about things that kind of didn't go as they planned. You know, there's, there's value in, in, uh, I, I, I think having egg on their face, as long as they're the ones in control of it. Um, and as long, and ultimately we're talking about it. So, you know, kind of mission accomplished to some extent. Can I pitch you my Kevin Owens idea that I've been um, workshopping for the last couple months? That he do CrossFit? <laughs> no. Um, Kevin Owens uh, and Sami Zayn. Because guess what? The Universal Champion was not there again this week. And still kind of a problem um, when I wrote that there is just no champion ever there. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, like Brock Lesnar. And you got to think about like who is the right guy to eventually beat him because now he's going to break punk's record and he's just going to keep it for a little bit longer. Who makes sense? There is only one guy that makes sense that would get a pop and you could do it where Brock Lesnar could still remain strong. Cause I think it's stupid to have him just go over. I mean, let someone go over him clean one more time because you've already established him as this like unstoppable beast. Again, he's beaten reigns twice, blah, 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 blah. He beat Strowman in like 12 minutes in a terrible match. It's just, all kinds of things. You can't do a Strowman, and the Strowman stuff I feel kind of vindicated on, even though he did close out Raw this week with a pretty great match with uh, Finn Balor. But um, Sami Zayn helps Kevin Owens win Money in the Bank, and then Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens plot a way to take down Brock Lesnar when he's at his most vulnerable, and Kevin Owens cashes in. And we get everything full circle. Kevin Owens is back on top, and he has his buddy helping him do everything he needs to. Well, you know the um, risk. Champion. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. I was just you know the risk of kind of um, bringing these things up out in the open is now, of course, you know you never know who's listening, and they can say, "Well, we're now we're purposely going to pivot away from that because it's a suggestion that's out in the uh, out there in the atmosphere." 
you got to keep these things, you know, uh, bottled up. Is that a terrible just... idea? I feel like it's a good idea. No, That's no. the best good... choice. Kevin Owens is the best one. No, it's a very good idea. My point is that now that it's out there in the atmosphere, they're going to purposely, you know, do do the opposite. You know, if so now, you know, you, I always, you know, you got to keep these things bottled up. And then as soon as they happen the way you knew in your mind, you'll just have to hope people give you the benefit of the doubt when you say, I told you so, because I didn't say anything publicly, but I knew that's what was going to happen. Um, but I think it's, I do, look, I think something like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens kind of um, being a, a, a nuisance, you know, in Brock Lesnar's uh, side is, is the kind of thing that a Brock Lesnar angle could uh, could benefit from a little more entertainment value and a little less yep. um a little less stoicism basically we only got like what one or two did we was it only one uh episode of the kevin Owen, the kevin and sammy show on raw which was great those two are just so good together and there was just no reason i think to push them apart right now especially if you're pushing them apart for kevin owens to sell out of his mind for roman reigns where he did that flip after the Roman Reigns clothesline and right. Sami Zayn to feud with Bobby Lashley and what is already the front runner for worst feud of the year. And you know what though? Maybe it was a way to get fans' minds off the terrible Bailey Sasha feud that seemingly is never going to end because they've turned on each other like seven times, but not really because they're actually best friends and Sasha just signed a new deal. So they're going to keep this going for another five years, maybe. Yeah, there's a strange kind of will they or won't they kick each other's ass thing going on there. But they already did. <laughs> they already did. I know there's a very there's a point at which you can kind of not really capture something right at its sweet spot and you kind of just weirdly miss your miss your window, you know, and I think maybe they missed their window with this, but there's time, yes, you know. They did. While I said you know, when I said before that wrestling fans don't necessarily have long memories, well, that, that plays into WWE's hands with something like this here, too, where we will, we're willing to have selective amnesia if... Um, I'm not. <laughs> or, or not. Uh, some people are keeping score. But I think most of us are willing to kind of wipe the slate clean. And, um, you know, if, it's, if, it's, um, if the course is corrected, you know, and I, that's, if not, then you're just digging a deeper hole and creating something that really does become part of a WWE fans kind of institutionalized memory. Um, so it's, it's, it's a high wire act. I, I don't, I, the Sasha Bailey thing had all the potential in the world, but they could have pulled, they could have really had a blow off, you know, at any of the last few pay-per-views for it. And they just kind of have, um, have hedged, which is a little strange. The problem with that feud um, outside of everything is Bailey is just, it just hasn't worked in the main roster as a babyface, and I don't think she would get the sympathy to put together a really emotional, interesting feud and just payoff match between the two at this point. Like I just don't think fans care about her, and I like Bailey in a vacuum, but it's just it's not gone well. And Sasha's obviously great, but. I don't think her turning on Bailey is enough to actually revitalize Bailey's career on Raw. I was surprised she didn't get switched over to SmackDown because she needs something. Uh, maybe she can join the revival and uh, Tyler Breeze back in NXT and start over. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you got to give a, a character like Bailey every chance to succeed. Um, you know, on its merit before you have to go through the kind of whole retooling process because there's so much involved then with with marketing and merchandising and and everything else. And if if she's continuing to do well with their with a certain core audience that um, has, you know, whose whose parents have disposable income and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and and if she continues to be kind of a good ambassadorial presence, which I'm sure she is, uh, you got to give it yeah. every chance, every chance to succeed before you really you know fold up your tent. And as we saw recently, I was talking about this with a colleague of mine too recently. You know, as we saw with Bray Wyatt, we're no longer necessarily in an era where a character has has to be completely rethought um, in order to connect with audiences. You know, the the Bray Wyatt character didn't have to disappear for months and come back as something completely, totally different um, from what we were used to seeing. You know, and the Bailey character could undergo some kind of subtle shift, but there has to be a catalyst. There has to be something in the story that happens, and that's what we're waiting for. That's fair. That's a good point. Um, Do you think they're angling towards... Roman Reigns turning on Seth Rollins and getting jealous of his 
organic natural overness because that was something that I wrote down while watching Raw this week was that Seth is really, really over and the babyface stuff is working, the CrossFit Jesus stuff is working. Like him just being awesome in the ring is enough right now. And Roman Reigns, obviously, still not getting the cheers. Even when he's tagging with Rollins, he's getting booed when Rollins tags him in. It's just, I, I wonder if that's where they're going, especially with the promo at the beginning where that was just uh, Roman Reigns threatening to beat people up in the back and I, I already beat up Jinder Mahal and all this stuff. It's all terrible. But do you think that's where they're, uh, maybe not where they're heading, but where they're like, just kind of teasing the idea that Roman Reigns could get jealous and turn on Rollins, similar to how uh, Rollins turned on Roman Reigns years ago. Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, you're talking about you know Roman Reigns during that segment, and there's something about him where I want to kind of cultivate a Roman Reigns uh, impersonation, but he's it's so kind of deadpan. Go ahead. Monotone. I'm ready. No, I, I, that's the thing. Is it's so he, he has such a deadpan monotone that it, there's really yeah. almost not no particular like essence there to to no charisma. <laughs> now I I, don't, I say that I am pro Roman. I'm I am proman. Are you? I am, but I understand the fact that he's not necessarily entertaining. I just think he's ultimately a good guy and a hard worker, and he's talented and all that stuff. I just uh, I agree with the fact that he doesn't have a whole lot of that extra something that that intangible thing okay so i'm not yeah I, i'm i'm pro roman in the sense that when it comes down to do i want to see him you know pilloried or or not you know i i don't think it's necessary to kind of um continue to to put him rake him over the coals however to your question i think it's a very that i think is something that is potentially so robust that even if every fan on earth was speculating about whether, you know, that was the way to go. I think that might still be, you know, the direction Uh, that makes a lot of, frankly, makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, there are kind of the whole, there's the whole overtones of everything, you know, the history of Seth turning on him, like you said, a few years ago. Um, But also you're right. Maybe that's what all of this kind of in your face uh, over baby faceness with Seth Rollins is about. Because sometimes I personally find it a little bit, I, I roll my eyes, a little bit, you know, when he kind of panders to the crowd, um, it, to the degree. Rollins that, or Reigns? Uh, when Ro- Rollins. Rollins isn't like super, okay. super like, you guys are awesome. Yeah. Who's the best? You're the best. You know, it, it's a little bit too much of that for my, just like when he was a, you know, a more um, of an adversarial character. Oh, please I do the was, laugh. I Is that what you're going to do? Is that what I we're thought going to do? <laughs> I thought, you know, and I used to always link to, like, you know, uh, um, clips on YouTube of, of Disney, which is cackling, you know, when I would, when I would talk about him. Uh, I miss that. I so, kind of miss it. So there's a, there's a subtlety sometimes that's missing with Rollins, but he's so good and he's so easy to like because you just know yep. you're going to get, you know, you know you're going to get a five-star performance every time. And he takes such good care of himself and he's so committed. Um, so anyway, but, you know, if, you, if the idea of Roman um, starting to – refocus his frustrations away from Brock Lesnar's, you know, kind of prefer, uh, preferred treatment um, and toward simply, you know, Seth Rollins' has earned uh, acclaim, you know, that, that could be interesting and, and um, you know, be a way to make Roman suddenly seem a little less sort of holier than now. Are we sure that him not wearing the gold chain and putting his hair in a ponytail this week was not the the problem. <laughs> um, I was wondering what's going on. He's been doing a lot of like the um, the samurai bun and a lot of like when mm-hmm. he, some of his promos lately, he's been going with the dry look, which yeah, I don't know what all that's about, but um, I think maybe it's just seeing different shades of Roman. Um, mm. I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, the Roman Reigns question is one is that, that the ne- we- is that the next uh, USA Network TV show we got Mr. and Ms. is the next one different shades of Roman <laughs> um, you could deep a shade of Reigns whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I I, uh, I you know I look I like um, I liked if, if nothing else you know Stephanie antagonizing him about his Samoan temper. I like this sort of like weird, soft bigotry she has toward Roman. Like they have a good, um, uh, they have a good sort of sustained 
wariness of each other. There's a little bit. But the problem little... with that is, like, we all know how Stephanie and Vince and Triple H feel about Roman Reigns. We've heard the comments. That's the problem is that we all know. Like, wrestling fans read this stuff. They listen to the interviews. They listen to the conference calls or at least read the transcripts. Um, like, there is something about it where, like, you know Stephanie uh, just off screen loves Roman Reigns. It's just you can't suspend your disbelief like that where like the CM Punk stuff and the Daniel Bryan stuff, which is where they're going, where it's like the powers that be don't want me to succeed is insane. But to some degree, if one cannot suspend their disbelief for that, then that means they really dug their heels in about not buying into Roman because everything, of course, with wrestling, we know what the real feelings are. We know people really don't or really do have animosities that do or don't, you know, jive with what we're seeing on screen. But, you know, you allow yourself to kind of just shut certain things. We know, look, Lana is one of the most amazing examples of this kind of willful disconnect where we see her speaking in her normal, you know, American. Oh, it's fantastic. Tone. She goes off and on, like even in the middle of talking. I think she forgets, or she's doing a bit. Like I, she was on back, she was on SmackDown a couple weeks ago, and just no accent whatsoever. But she was wearing the Rusev day. I think it was like when she was first brought back to kind of establish herself as like someone who might uh, get back with Rusev and phase out Aiden. But it's it's one of my favorite things is the Lana off and on accent. Well, now she's also hip hop dancing, which is you know a far cry yeah. from the. Uh, the sort of Bridget Nielsen and Rocket for Rocky Four kind of iciness that, <laughs> that Lana, you know, initially brought to the table. But I guess what I, you know, yes, some of that's bled into the show itself. But even just prior to that, Total Divas and stuff like that, you know, she just talks like whatever her name is, C.J. Wilson or whatever her name is. I think um, C.J. Perry. C.J. Perry. Uh, C.J. Wilson. Isn't that a pitcher for? I think there's Tori Wilson, but C.J. Wilson was a left-handed pitcher for the Rangers. Angels, who's also good friends with CM Punk because they're both straight edge guys. Well, there you go. Uh, let, let them enjoy their their sober life. So, yes. um, what I was getting at was, yeah, we see this. You know, Lana is one thing, and then we turn on SmackDown, and traditionally, although there's been exceptions lately, she's you know ravishing Russian. But you know, but we allow ourselves to go along with it because that's what we've signed up for. It. So that's the un- that's the um, the unofficial sort of contract that we've entered into in watching wrestling. People cannot make those separations any longer in a, uh, with Roman Reigns necessarily. And that maybe just shows that certain people have really just kind of like are, are set in their position about him. Maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm exhausted talking about Roman Reigns. Um, you know, I'm also exhausted talking about Natalia, who is <laughs> going to win the Money in the Bank match, I think, and immediately turn on Ronda Rousey and become the women's champion on Raw. Um. That could be interesting. I mean, there's, uh, you know, you don't. You would assume. I don't know. There's a lot of ways this could play. It's so. I feel for both Carmella and Nia Jax that they, it seems like they well, really. Do you feel for Nia Jax because she's okay? I, I have a take for you. She's okay. bad. Nia Jax <laughs> is actually bad. <clears throat> I, I'm too sensitive because I feel like uh, there's a part of me that watches her development i think like she just uh-huh. seems like a, she just seems like a good person and she works hard and she's earned an opportunity I want her to succeed yeah i don't so i don't mean that in a in a patronizing way i mean i think she's also you know fearsome and and um and and has you know and is impacting uh, in the ring i just i just more or less i find myself wanting to root for her story as a as a person as a character and i get more you know, than lots of bliss because Remember, Nia was the bully. Very clear in Moment of Bliss that <laughs> Nia was the bully in that situation. Mo- moment of moments of bliss were uh, were. But when you think about it, like in just think about UFC and boxing and everything else of that kind of height and weight disparity between the two, like that would, we would all be like, ah, eh, that's not. Why are we doing this? This is not a fair fight. Like there is something to it, and that's like the best heels have. Those little nuggets where it's like, yeah, this is not okay. Why did she throw me around like a rag doll and everything else? That's not fair. <laughs> um, there is something to that, and it works. Alexa Bliss was getting cheered. People prefer Alexa Bliss because Alexa Bliss is still the star of the Raw's women's division. And um, I don't know. Nia talks like so. Friend of the pod, Maxwell of RBR Wrestling, he uh, made this comparison for Nia Jax with the way she talks and delivers lines that I cannot get out of my head. 
And unfortunately, Kenny, I'm going to have to tell you about what it is, and you're never going to be able to listen to Nia Jax promo and not think about this. She sounds like a Muppet. <laughs> she, well, you know, it's funny. There was somebody else that I was on, just remarking to my wife about in the last day or so that taught, that's on TV and sounds like a Muppet. It wasn't, it wasn't a wrestling thing. But, yeah, I, I look. I, but I can't. I, it's not her fault if her, if her tone of voice is, you know, is, is Muppet. And I'm not trying to be mean. It's just <laughs> not good. And it sounds, it's really high pitched and she sounds like over the top and she just doesn't, it's, it's just not good. Like Alexa Bliss is natural and it, it hits. And by the way, shout out to Mickey James, best like in ring work of the week by far her um, going over the top um, when she got thrown out by the manager. The only time the crowd got really hot, I think for the whole, actually no, Finn Balor and Braun Sherman got the crowd a little bit hype at the end, but um yeah. I well, know. well, I, I don't know. I just think it would be, it would be if if Car- it looks like Carmella and Nia Jax are both sort of sitting duck champions right now and being being really yeah, that's you know, true. fed to the slaughter. So I feel sort of badly for both, but it also makes me second guess my my assumptions and say, well, then there's got to be some workaround here. You know, you can't. They're not going to both, you know, just um, lay down here. You know, and, and um, or be asked. You know, in a in a real life sense to kind of lay down. So I, I, Natalia might do something that um, subverts, you know, Ronda Rousey's uh, you know, chance to actually win the title. And maybe that'll kick that whole thing in motion. And maybe I, you know, who, who knows? Um, I, Alexa bliss. I like, I do think fans like her. I also think fans just like to take the piss. And I think fans sense that they're supposed to like, they're supposed to root for Nia Jax. It's like, well, prove it to me why I should. And then until that time, I'm going to root for, you know, the person that you don't want me to like. It's like children and dealing with, you know, it's like parents dealing with children. You know, you're just going to do the opposite of what your parents tell you to just because you want to show that you're, you know, <laughs> that you're kind of independent. And I think collectively, you know, that could, there can be a little bit of that kind of petulance sometimes with, with you know, fans at the live events. I think it's more of just whether or not who, like, I think fans can just, get a read on who is the better act and who's the better character, who's the better in-ring performer. And that's why the Undisputed Era is like one of the best things in wrestling. Like even the the B team, which is my favorite thing on Raw, um, <laughs> they're so great over the top that they've gotten themselves over as baby faces and everything else. But um, I think there is just something to the idea that like Jinder Mahal still doesn't get like heat. Like they want fans to boo him, but it's not like booing him. It's the Xbox heat where it's like, no, we just want you to go away because you're not good. Like, Jinder Mahal looks like he should be a top heel. Like, he's done great work getting his body. He, like, he's better than he was uh, a couple years ago. At the same time, Jinder Mahal yeah. is still really bad. Like, he's still really objectively bad. But, um, I, I don't know. I just think fans just kind of get a read on whether or not, like, they will buy in if it's a good heel and a good face. And a good example of that is, like, the Velveteen Dream versus Aleister Black. They like both. Aleister Black, fans want to cheer him. He has earned the babyface cheers. Velveteen Dream also earned heel heat. He earned the, like, fans respected both. And I think that's really where we're going to is, like, Fans just kind of get a read on who's good and who's not. And if you're not good and you're, they're telling you this is a good character, this is like it's the Roman Reigns thing and everything else where it's like if you present this babyface who's not good at being a babyface and who just does not have a compelling character and still expect people to cheer them and act like everything's normal and act like they're just as good of a babyface as AJ Styles or whoever, it's, uh, I don't know, it's disingenuous and it's just lazy, I think. <laughs> well, I think what it, what it amounts to also is, you know, there's such a, there's so much... Um, personnel and there's so many hours to fill and ultimately not everyone's going to be great and not everyone's uh, going to be remarkably even even remarkably bad and at a certain yeah. point when someone's remarkably bad um, you know like like the B team it kind of becomes a so bad it's good kind of um, they're love, not bad how love. dare you a how no, dare you no, B I, love- I think they should be the raw tag team champions that's where I think this should go. And they probably will get their 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 shot, and you know, but they probably will sort of. It will be a kind of um, contrived, you know, uh, minorly classic you know, moment when when they do, and they'll fall over each other, and it will be, you know. Uh, but but uh, my point is, you know, there's a bit of a you know, so absurd. It's it's 
amazing kind of spectacle there. Um, then there are people where, to your point, there's, it's, it's just not great. You know, I think Baron Corbin is not just not great. You know, I think, um, you know, I, I like mean, Baron I, Corbin, I'm still on Baron Corbin Island. I'm not selling my stock. I am not, uh, um, I'm not on Baron Corbin Island. Uh, you would, you might be a lone wolf on Baron Corbin Island. I have some property. It's, it's undervalued right now. A lot of people have sold stock over here in the last year, but um, I am here for Baron Corbin triple threat matches. <laughs> I mean, I, I, as I said in one of my articles recently, the, I, for me, the problem with Baron Corbin is he, he, this isn't about him as a person. It's just there doesn't seem to be much be, to his character beyond the fact that he's just a dick. And, you know, <laughs> so. that's, that's fair. Not a lot of character development there. I would uh, agree. But he also hasn't really gotten time. What has he yeah. said on Raw? The only thing he's done on Raw since moving over was like talk about No Way Jose and his dancing, and then beat up No Way Jose. That's because he's better off not talking. That's why they've given him someone that yeah. he can beat up for a few weeks, and then poor No Way Jose. You know, this is probably just you know the way Bo Dallas came up from NXT for a bit, and then kind of went back down, and you know we're getting a flash of No Way Jose getting a cup of coffee, and I think he'll probably you know more or less kind of go back down, and then maybe come back permanently you know in, in, in a little while with some fine tuning but um I, that's what i think is going on with baron corbin interesting and, and where were we what were we saying i forget where we're train of ronda rousey ronda rousey yeah yes she's stephanie um, got back involved and is acting all normal towards i mean she's not completely normal but that's another weird stephanie thing is her back like why she's even able to tolerate Rhonda at this point is still weird because Rhonda remember kind of bullied Stephanie the last time we saw her I think where she attacked her again for no reason right. um, I, I don't really understand that but that goes back to your previous point of like they want you to forget stuff like that I think like that's the reason they didn't show a video package or any kind of pictures the still images they love to do of like Rhonda putting her in the armbar again um, unprovoked right right well, that's I, I don't exactly know right they don't there there's this there's a storyline. Sometimes there's a storyline. Sometimes there's not. You know. So go. I'm sorry. Go on. Well, no. Just like I, I didn't really understand that. I don't understand the read on where they're going with the Ronda Rousey Stephanie stuff. But um, Nia just. I, I, we talked about Nia. I don't want to. I don't want to be mean to that. You have me feeling bad about being harsh on Nia. But Rousey, <laughs> I thought was really good in the segment. I still think she's fine. Um, I'm really interested to see, like, maybe more than any other match at Money in the Bank, which is still, like, a month away, it's Nia versus Rousey, because I don't know where they're going to go with this, and you know Ronda can't lose, but at the same time, I don't know how long this is going to go, I don't know how these two are going to work, are they really going to have Nia tap out, like, I, I, I don't know, I, I'm genuinely curious about where they're going with these two. I mean, you could, I, you could have you know, Natalia win the Money in the Bank match, and then before Ronda even comes to the ring, she could attack her and kind of, you know, uh, try and kind of mark her territory and say, you know, I'm the the only one who's going to be in line for that championship kind of stuff. And you know, who who knows what what might happen? But um, Ronda, uh, I thought the segment with Ronda and Stephanie and and Nia, I I liked because I thought for the most part Stephanie kind of pulled herself together. She did have a rough go with the Roman segment. And here I thought the idea of her selling discontent between the two of them, similar to what we saw the Miz do you know, with good. members of the New Day, which was terrific. Uh, I, I thought that was effective and, and was a nice way of subtly starting to kind of shift the attention away from whatever history Stephanie and Ron have, but, without, but still staying true to the fact that Stephanie is, is not and probably never will again be um, a sympathetic <laughs> um, sympathetic executive uh, character. I would agree. Um, so you wrote about SmackDown Live. Yeah. And they're moving to Fox. Um, again, we don't know if that's for sure yet because they we don't know if they have watched the first hour of Raw this week. We don't know um, <laughs> if they are aware that Big Cass is on the SmackDown Live roster. There is uh, still a lot of questions um, to hash out there. But... Um, what are your early impressions and what are your early thoughts on um, SmackDown potentially going to Fox Sports in October 2019? I mean, it's fascinating. I, this is the, it's crazy to think, and this is something else I was 
saying to my wife yesterday, who's, you know, God bless her that she, you know, listens to what I have to say about uh, the wrestling industry, that this is the first time that I can think of, unless I'm wrong, in the long and storied and intertwined history of, of wrestling and television, that there will be a weekly primetime broadcast network space for a wrestling show, for an actual just, you know, for an actual traditional, for traditionally formatted wrestling broadcast. And um, that's exciting. I think it's a big moment for wrestling fans. It's a big, uh, I, it's, it's a very, it's a vindication of sorts. It's, it's a, you know, we're being kind of um, accepted into the mainstream in some way. And because even, even with wrestling's popularity and even with the, um, you know, the artifice, the artifice of a lot of what's on network television, you know, wrestling is still kind of, you know, looked down upon. Um, so I think this is, this is a legitimizing thing and long overdue, whether it makes, whether it is going to be a um, disaster, you know, whether anyone's going to watch, you know, and whether it's going to be a good, um, you know, a prudent move for, uh, for Fox, you know, we'll see. I think it's a no brainer for WWE, um, so that's, that's my kind of surface or my, you know, aerial snapshot of what's going on there. I, um, I think it's good because ultimately I do think even though the first year SmackDown on USA was, a, uh, I think you could say it was a hit. It was good. It, it, it was great for AJ Styles. It was great for a lot of guys getting more, um, more airtime, more promotion, all that kind of stuff that they would not have gotten, um, prior to the brand split that said there is now a new report that there is no way that fox is going to be cool with just getting the smackdown roster on fox if they're paying a billion dollars they want access to everybody so are you worried at all or do you want the brand split to end um you kind of know if you've kept up with wrestling in the last 20 years that they does not stick to their guns on really anything and the brand split is just something that starts and then ends and then starts again. And then it just, it goes in and out. And, um, I, I am a little concerned because if they go down that road and we go back to like the 2012, 2013 stuff where we have Roman Reigns on Raw and SmackDown every week, I, I'm, I'm not really here for that, but I also understand why Fox would want access to everybody. And, um, they want, uh, we want Rollins, we want Balor, we want Strowman, we want AJ, we want all these guys, um, whenever we want on the show. But on the flip side, I like the idea of potentially having different showrunners, having a different look, having a different presentation, having different creative, uh, direction, like making the show look different because the stages are the exact same. It's just like, it's just a different color. That's all it is. And I want them to branch out more. I want them to make it feel like you're watching a different promotion because when you're watching NXT every week, it feels like you're watching a different show, a different company. Like it feels closer to impact wrestling or something like that. Ring of honor, whatever. It feels like you're watching something not WWE. and SmackDown still feels exactly WWE. And I just, I hope that's where this leads is that when they move to Fox, they have a different stage, a different look, different graphics, different feel. Corey Graves, not on both shows, like something to separate it from Monday Night Raw and make it feel special. But if you end the brand split, that's impossible because you're just going to people pop in and out. Um, I don't know. I've I, my thoughts, I think, are kind of all over the place right now because we just don't know yet. But um, those are my early questions that I want answers to right now. Well, not. I mean, I, just, I know you want those answers from WWE, but it's my opinion is that NXT, if it were on a, net, a network, you know, other than WWE Network, would um, probably look and feel very different than it does. I mean, that there's still so, yes, the WWE Network, you know, needs its shows to be successful. You know, and they need to continue to keep their subscribers and recruit new ones. But for the most part, that can continue to be an exper- uh, experimentation, uh, experimental ground, and, and can be a way to like beta test. Everything from the way stuff looks to the way, you know, characters presented and um, to the idea of seeing, you know, how they can, um, you know, sustain themselves over, you know, a 25 minute uh, match, you know, with with a static, virtually static camera. So um, that's just one thing I would I would throw in there. I think it's apples and oranges with NXT and the the main roster shows. Um, I would also agree that I think SmackDown has to be um, I think what would make sense and what it would benefit from is now having um, the. 
you know, imperative to be a different kind of production if it's going to be on primetime and Fox and Friday night competing with, you know, whether it's a, an American Ninja Warrior type thing or a more fantastical, um, you know, broadcast sci-fi drama on CBS that's airing against it. It can really invest in um, in the drama. It can really in, it can really bring in a team of people that are there to make you know, dedicated storylines work. You know, it can really be a chance for characters that haven't really found themselves um, on Tuesday nights to really have, you know, long-standing arcs and, um, you know, on the Friday show. And I think there's enough space between Monday and Friday, even if the rosters overlap, for things to feel, um, for things not to feel incredibly redundant and for, for things to not, um, you know, be... Um, for, for things not to get too kind of exasperated, you know, too quick. So I don't know. I have, I have confidence. I think the branch split will probably end, you know, to coincide with, you know, the, with the debut of the Fox thing, the Fox show might also uh... be, Fox show might also be a chance to have some of the spectacular kind of cruiserweight, you know, um, NXT stuff, um, you know, find, uh, find, find a, a home, you know, find a place to live too. I don't know. It could be a, it could be almost feel like a variety show version of a WWE. Who knows? Hmm. Um, I will say, I don't think 205 Live will exist by the time this switch happens. Well, you know. <laughs> I, think I don't think the guys... Cruiserweight title will be there. We'll have to like come back on this podcast um, next fall. And just, uh, I'm going to go back through my notes and be like, remember when we were thinking that they might actually have cruiserweights on this show? They haven't had cruiserweights on WWE television for like seven months. Um, well, it hasn't, it hasn't yeah. helped that they had the issues they had with Neville and that Rich Swan had his personal issues and that, um, yeah. you know, and that Enzo Amore had his personal issues. I mean, so they're just trying to find, you know, Mustafa Ali seems to be someone that they're focusing on a lot. Love that dude. They're trying to they're trying to find someone who's like the heart of that that division right now, and so I think it's just in transition, you know. Yeah, I don't know who it is. I, I mean, I guess Mustafa makes the most sense. I love. I will say, I am one hundred percent here for Buddy Murphy. He is fantastic, and he is my favorite finisher in wrestling right now. Oh, it that's... looks it looks like he almost killed a guy a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and then this week it's just he's he's really good. And he's huge, and it looks like he should weigh more than he does, but I, I don't know. I love Buddy Murphy, so I highly encourage people to watch. Like, 205 Live main events are always great, but I still just, this show is not going to last six more months. There's no way. Um, quickly, all pay-per-views are now going at least four hours. The big four, five or more. How excited are you, Kenny, oh that God. Sunday nights are going to feel kind of like WrestleMania once a month? For the rest of our lives. Sunday nights used to be about having dinner at the, at the dining room table with my family, having sex no more. with my wife. No, no more. Um, so now my wife will have to have sex with other people, and I'm just going to uh, be here by myself. Yep. I, I mean, look, I, <laughs> professionally, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a bit of a, you know, kind of just a deep breath thing, you know, because it is, it is. When I'm if I'm when I'm covering any of these things, it's like you know it's asking a lot and it, <laughs> but and I, I I think it's um, you know they're just testing how dedicated people are to the product and and clearly we're pretty dedicated because it's like okay five hours then I guess we're gonna have to start live tweeting you know a little earlier than usual no one's saying no like we we refuse this is where we draw the line you know and at the end of the day why well, you know I mean it's because it's entertainment they're not asking us to um, you know, work an extra hour on our on a on our shift at our job or something. So, yeah. I might ask for another shift or something on a Sunday <laughs> night. Just be like, I can't watch this anymore. I can't watch Mustafa Ali versus Jack Gallagher for twenty minutes to start up this. No, I can't do it. No more kickoff matches. No, don't, none of don't this. you can't dare speak ill of the gentleman. <laughs> I love sure. the gentleman. He's fine. Um, last thing, and then we'll go. Who should be the Money in the Bank participant from the New Day, and why should it be Kofi Kingston? And we didn't even get into, by the way. I just thought it was a very good SmackDown episode, and I thought that opening segment was fantastic. But um, yes. 
who should it be? Maybe they're going in some direction here where they, you know, kind of find finagle some way where it's all three of them rotating in and out and they have to, like, tag each other or something. Who knows? But uh, I don't think this is the moment that they're going to sow division within that faction. You know, they even shouldn't that- do that, right? Why do they have to sow division within every faction and everything else? Like, New Day can have a leader ha- contend for world titles and not break them up. I don't understand why you have to break them up. Well, I think this is a way to kind of maybe, you know, you know, again, to kind of um, experiment with that a little bit. And, and I don't think they're that – I think it's fun to kind of have fans – it gives fans some red meat and some fodder to say, like, ooh, is, is you know, you can see the blog headlines. Is like, you know, is this the beginning of the end of, you know, the new day, you know, at last, you know. But nobody really wants that, and I don't think that's, that's what's happening here. And as far as who's going to compete, if it is a single person, I really have no idea, but I just feel like they're going to – I feel like that's not what they're doing here. They're going to do something a little bit more creative. I, 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 but I, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm interested. Okay, that's a non-answer. Right, you got to give me somebody. You got to. Who is your pick? Who is it? It's gonna be Big Xavier. Fee. Oh, Finn. Big Xavier. Yeah, I like that you said Xavier and not Xavier that people still do. That drives me nuts. Well, actually, no. I, you know, it made me second guess myself because it was I think Kofi the other day on SmackDown who referred to him as X Xavier, although maybe he was taking making did fun he of really. He oh. did, but maybe he was. Maybe that was like he was winking at the fact that people do that. I don't really know. You know what? I know, I'll tell you who from the New Day is going to be in Money in the Bank, and it's my official pick to win the Money in the Bank letter match, Francesca. <laughs> there you go. My hot take. My steaming oh my hot turd of a take. There you go. <laughs> Kenny, this was a blast. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, likewise. All right, well, we can find you on Twitter at Kenny Herzog. We can read you at TheRinger.com where you are writing about pro wrestling pretty often. So great stuff. Keep up the great work. And um, let's talk again soon. Thanks, Chase. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play or wherever else you get your podcasts, uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back in another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people asked me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT.